Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I want you to turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to two openings, John chapter 8 and James chapter 5. John chapter 8 and James chapter 5. And while we're looking up those verses, you know, I thought about kind of just pouring over what I had talked about last Sunday about Jesus and all that He did in His death, burial, and resurrection and how He ascended to the Father's throne for us and offered up His holy blood and accomplished redemption. He obtained eternal redemption for us. And then I thought about we really need to look more into what He made us, who we are right now and what we have right now in Him. Because, you see, all that He did, all the effort that He put forth was for us so that every one of us could be changed, amen, amen. and become new crea- creatures or new creations or new beings in Him. Amen. And there's a whole wealth of information according to the epistles about what He did for us. And I'm really looking forward to getting into that. I'm not really going to get into that tonight. But I just thought I would entice you just a little bit and share that with you for a little bit because we need to whet our appetites to really begin to see these great things. Because if you think what He did on the cross and in His death, burial, and resurrection and His suffering for us was in full detail, wait till you see what He did for us and in us, the believer. And if we could just begin to think like what He did for us, that we are who He says we are and we have what He says we have, we would be changed people Amen. in spirit, soul, and in body. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about the subject of prayer. And you will notice that we put up on the bulletin board in the narthex area of our church a chart so that you can sign up to be a prayer person. A person of prayer. Sign up. Put your name on a day that you're going to pray. And we want prayer to go up to God every day, the hour of prayer here at the church, at the assembly. And, and everybody just lifting their voice to God on high, petitioning Him to do certain things that we would like to see done here in our assembly and throughout this entire local and tri-state area. Amen? Amen. And so if you can sign up and be a part of it, please sign your name to it and be a part of it and help us promote the move of God here upon this earth. I want to talk to you tonight about prevailing prayer or prayer that does prevail and share with you a little bit, first of all, about two things that really promote success in all that we do for God, in Christian life, in Christian experience, in Christian work and conduct. And those two things are truth and the Spirit of God. Truth and God's Spirit. We need both. And both must work together to accomplish the purposes of God in our lives and to effectively achieve those things God has set forth and ordained in Scripture according to reaching our generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Truth is essential because if you don't have truth, you're going to be out of balance. You're not going to be able to effectively live the life that God wants you to live if you don't have the knowledge of the truth. And you find that truth revealed to us right here by Jesus in verse 31 of John 8. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Liberation or freedom comes to all areas of life by knowing the truth. And if we don't have an accurate understanding or knowledge of the truth revealed to us by God, from God, rather through his word, then we're not going to be effective in experiencing all that Jesus died for. 
It's amazing to me to hear people t- today in Christian circles still call themselves sinners. It's absolutely amazing to me. We were sinners. We've been saved by grace. And it's very clear that we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Did God make Jesus to be sin for us? Who knew no sin? Did He? Why did He do that? So we would be made what? The righteousness of God in Christ. So say with me, I was a sinner. I'm now saved by grace. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That's not being arrogant. That's not being prideful. That's just being truthful. According to the Word of God. And if I can't develop an image of who I am in Christ, according to the revelation of truth, then my goodness, I'm basing what I believe about myself on my feelings and my own emotions. Or handed down tradition. And we can't live by that. Amen? Now, we also need the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit of God makes active, operative, and alive the Word of God. Go to James chapter 5, if you would, please. See, it's the Spirit of God that gives life to it. It makes truth alive. It makes it active, operative, effective, and energizing. Truth alone can't really produce the results that God wants produced in people's lives. You could tell someone that they're lost and they need to be saved. But if you do not Pray and invite the Spirit of God to move in power over that particular heart or that particular life. It's like talking to a stone wall. Have you ever been there before? Try witnessing without praying. It doesn't work as well. It's better to pray and invite the Spirit of God to move so that when you present truth, He makes it alive. He touches the heart of the individual and produces change in that particular life. He opens up their understanding. He softens their heart. He penetrates the very soul of the individual and then explodes life that is in the Word. And in James chapter 5 and verse 16, it's the reason why I want to talk to you about prevailing prayer. It's because prevailing prayer is what makes truth alive. It's what invites the Spirit of God in His dynamic ministry in the lives of people or in the operations of God. In James chapter 5, actually, we could start with verse 13 and learn some things here. If you want to see some old truth that will help us have a better church, look at verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. You know, a, a successful church is made up of people that know how to pray for themselves. Are you afflicted? What are you supposed to do? Say it. I'm supposed to pray. If I'm afflicted. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Wasp, you have no right on my head any longer in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. So, if you learn how to pray effectively for yourself as an individual, then as you take your place in the body and that, you know, comes upon other people, then they too are going to learn how to pray for themselves and become effective. Then you're going to have the whole body to join together and be more effective in in prayer, right? Okay, so that's an individual who knows how to pray. Is any merry? Let him do what? Sing psalms. Not only for himself, see, as an individual, when you're married, you start singing psalms. 
In other words, you know how to worship God for yourself. But then again, you bring that same atmosphere, that same attitude of praise that you have in your life, and you begin to infect the whole body of believers. And they too learn how to be worshipful in the things of God. He's talking to a church here. Now listen, is any sick among you? It's a caring church. It's a praying church. It's a worshipful church. It is a, a caring church. Is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Why? Because they know what to do. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Can you see that? And so they care about each other. And so they pray for each other, not criticize each other. They care for each other. And they pray for each other. And so now we see corporate prayer. It's a healing church. They believe in the healing power of God. They believe in forgiveness. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now notice this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes what? In the Amplified, tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Here it just says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails, availeth much. So when, when the church learns how to effectively pray together, Dynamic power is at their disposal. The power of the Holy Ghost. The power of God's Spirit is made available to those people when they learn how to effectively pray prevailing prayer. It's dynamic and it's working. And beloved, I don't know about you, but I'm looking for that. I'm receiving that. And we're expecting that. And I have great anticipation for that. And I call that into being in this assembly. And I believe the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost is going to just, just breeze through this place in torrents of wind as it did on the day of Pentecost. Lighting upon God's people in dynamic manifestations, in glorious operations in producing heartfelt changes in people's lives. Do you believe that? I mean, I mean that. I believe there's a lot of truth in people's hearts and minds. But the Spirit of God is wanting to move in dynamic power to explode and produce realities, life-changing experiences, heartfelt, changes that will cause people to be more like Jesus and experience the fullness of their inheritance and walk in their full blessings and walk more intimately with God. Do you believe that? Do you want that? Lift your hands to heaven with me and say, I invite that in my life, Father. I long for that, Father, to have that reality, to walk in intimacy, a fellowship with you. I surrender myself to you. I invite life-changing and heartfelt experiences into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, it talks about tremendous power. And then if you go on and read the last couple of verses there, it's talking about that a, a successful church is also a witnessing church. A witnessing church. A praying church. A caring church a healing church, a forgiving church, a corporately together worshiping and praying church, as well as a witnessing church. You see, look at what it said over there in verse 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, 
and one converts him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Finding somebody who's out there who may be a part of the body who might be erring from the truth and by the Spirit of God and, and with the spirit of meekness, you reach out to that person and you touch that life and you bring them back into the fold. Amen? Amen? And this is what God wants. And the Holy Ghost will move upon hearts, enabling them to do that. Well, I, I'm going to share some, some revelation with you. I, I believe that will be helpful to you to have better and more effective Bible study so that you can have or extract more truth from the Word of God. Is that okay? And then I want to talk about prayer, which promotes the Spirit of God moving. And so if you're taking notes, just write a few of these things down that I think will bless you. And we'll do it quickly so that we don't, we don't have to turn to all the Scriptures, but you'll know that they're in there. You can look them up maybe later. But we're all looking to have more effective time in Bible study, right? And we're all looking to be able to extract more of God's truth from His Word so that our lives can be changed. Well, how do we do that? Well, write them down. Number one, first of all, and we're going to start at the basic, you've got to be born again. There are a lot of people that study the Bible that are not born again. And they may know intellectually what it teaches, but they don't have truth. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and you can read these verses from 9 right on through the end, you'll discover that the natural man does not know the things of God. And his understanding is darkened when it comes to the truth of God's Word. And so he may try to study it, but he does not have truth or understanding of his, out of his heart because he's studying it intellectually. And so you've got to be born again to have effective study of God's Word. And then secondly, you have to accept it as being the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 2 and verse 13, they accepted it as it really was, the Word of God. Now, some people do not realize this. Beloved, this is the Word of God. You've seen people on, on television shows that mock those that say that what they call the Word of God. This is the Word of God. And sometimes I think there's a tendency just to look at it as a religious book. The Bible, a religious book. No way. This is the Word of God. And I'll say it to you just like this. Your attitude toward the Word of God will determine the place He holds in your heart and in your life. And when you start looking at it and saying, God said that, it'll change you. It really will. God said this. Am I realizing this? It's not even like your, your father looking to you and say, Son, this is what I'm saying to you. It's true and I want you to obey me and understand what I'm saying. And you may respect your father for doing so. This is God saying this. This is the almighty God speaking to our hearts. And we need to know that and remind ourselves of that. And number three, you've got to have a strong spiritual appetite. You must have a strong spiritual appetite. Remember what Job said? His words were fine. I did eat them and they were unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Job 23, 12. Think about that. People that are hungry enjoy their food. Have you ever found yourself to be just ravenous? I mean, you are really hungry. About like I am right now. <laughs> I mean, really hungry. And you just can't wait to dive in and just get a hold of some good old food and just start digging. You ever see that person just dig in? 
That's how we're supposed to be with the Word of God. I can't wait, can't wait, can't wait to get into the Word of God. It's so good. Taste it and see how good it is. And if you find yourself losing that spiritual hunger for the Word of God, know something's wrong. You know why? Because when babies are born into this world, they're hungry. And I don't know about you in the natural, I get hungry. Do you get hungry? You put in a good eight hours of work and maybe you had very little for lunch and by the end of the day you're ready for a good supper. You are hungry. It is a natural thing to be hungry in the natural, is it not? Well, you know what? If you're hooked up with God, you'll be hungry for spiritual food. If not, something is wrong. If you had no appetite in the natural, wouldn't a doctor tell you something is wrong with you? If you have no appetite, something is physically wrong with you because you're supposed to be hungry. We're supposed to be hungry for the Word of God that endures forever. You've got to have a good spiritual appetite. Also, you have to be willing to dig. Proverbs chapter 2, you read the first few verses of Proverbs chapter 2, you've got to dig for it. Yes, you've got to be willing to work hard. You want to get truth? You've got to be willing to work hard. You've got to dig for it. Be willing to sacrifice to spend some time in the study of God's Word and not just the reading of God's Word. It's easy to read it. It's different to study it. Think about that for a moment. Don't just be satisfied that you have read a portion of Scripture today. Study it. Have a concordance with you. Look up some particular words and, and follow through with some references and begin to uh, look how one Scripture supports another Scripture. I'll tell you what, it'll revolutionize the way you look at God's Word and it'll produce more truth in you. You'll extract more truth from the Word of God that way and you'll have a sense of satisfaction that you have done some research and discovered some truth that the Spirit of God was able to open up your eyes to. Truth is important to your success in life. Next, you have to wholly surrender your will to the will of God. John 7, 17 says, If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine. He shall know the doctrine. I am surrendering my will to the will of God, and therefore I will know the doctrine of God. See, when a person is surrendering to God and saying, I want to live my life according unto your will, and this word is the revelation of your will, then the Spirit of God will move in your life and begin to reveal to you the doctrine of God. And He'll bring it to you, one way or another. You'll find a nugget here and a nugget there, and you'll put it together. It could be while you're in church. It could be when you're talking to somebody you know, on a telephone that knows the Word of God, or, or maybe just a, a program that you heard, but something that will trigger off something in you that will even enrich your study time and study life. I've had that happen to me. Sometimes I'll be sitting there listening to somebody say some things and something is triggered off on the inside of me. And you know what happens? When that happens to me, it means study that out. And I, all, all of a sudden I find myself removing myself from what that person is saying and I've got all these scriptures just bombarding my mind, bombarding my mind. Why? Because I'm interested in studying and knowing something more from the Word of God and the Holy Ghost has made that alive in me. I'm ready to get out my Strong's Concordance and do whatever it takes to find out something more about that subject. So be open to the Spirit of God and be willing to submit your will to the will of God. And then next, Matthew eleven twenty five, Come as a child. Come as a child. Why? Because Jesus Himself said, Father, I'm so glad that You took it upon Yourself to hide these things from the wise and the prudent but you chose to reveal them to babes. Did you hear that? Just abandon yourself to Him and say, Father, you know a whole lot more than I do. You're wiser and smarter than I am. 
I don't have a know-it-all attitude. As a matter of fact, in studying about you, what I, when I see who you are, when I study what you've done and how you created the universe, and to think about the intricate details of the human body and how you made it and put it together and it functions, even from a baby, and then it grows and, and all that. And then I see the plan of redemption and all of its intricate details and, and, and just all the things that you've done I'm studying you, and I think I know something about you. My heavens, I'm so glad for what I do know. But as I approach the study of your word, I come as a babe. Oh, I come as an infant. You ready for this one? This is really something that will humble the proud. He said in the time of the millennium when there's a thousand years that Christ reigns upon the earth for a thousand years. Think about that. Men will live to be a thousand years old. Think about that. That's something. A thousand years old. Satan will be in the lower pit, chains of darkness, right? And for a thousand years, Jesus will reign. People, most of the people will not die for those thousand years. At a hundred, you'll be considered a baby. Can you see holding a hundred-year-old baby? <laughs> Think about that. You learn a lot after a few years. hundred years old, you still be considered a baby. Oh, Adam must have been so put together intellectually and in all ways. Come as a babe. Come with the heart of a child and say, reveal these things to me, Father. And really, if you really want to have truth unveiled into your life, come wanting to know how you can change. How you can be changed. I'm coming for myself. I'm not coming to prove someone else wrong. I'm coming because I want to change. I want to be different. I want to be more like you. And then also be prayerful. Psalm 119, verse 18, be prayerful. It says, the psalmist speaking, Open thou mine eyes, that I may see wondrous things out of thy law. Open thou mine eyes. We must never forget to ask the Father. No matter how often we've read the Scriptures, open thou mine eyes. There's always something more your eyes can be opened to. If you want to extract more truth from the Word of God, open thou mine eyes. Let that be your prayer to God. Open thou mine eyes. That I may behold wondrous works out of thy law. Truth things. And then also, James 1.22, commit to be a doer. Commit to be a doer. There's something about those that do the Word of God that God just appreciates. When one commits to be a doer of the Word of God, didn't Jesus say to those that hear it and do it, more will be added to their lives? <clears throat> didn't He say that? And so if you'll commit to doing the Word of God, you're going to get more from God. God's going to give you more. Commit to doing it. And God will give you more truth. If we don't walk in the truth of the light that we already have, then how is He going to entrust more to us? Or why would He want to give us more? You see why throughout our entire Christian experience we've got to maintain an innocent, humble attitude before God? Think about that for a while. Because if you don't, you, you, know, you get to a place where you think you've learned all you need to know. Oh my goodness, does anybody out there think you've learned all that you need to know? Whew, well, that'd be a bad place to be in. A real bad place to be in. 
Now, there's a whole lot more. You need to invite the Holy Ghost to be your teacher and guide. John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 13, he said the Holy Ghost would guide you in all truth. You've got to invite Him. You don't study the Word apart from the teaching ministry of the Holy Ghost. He is there to teach us and guide us into all the truth. Amen? And He will. You believe that? All right, lift your hands to heaven right now. And say, Holy Ghost, I invite you to teach me now the things I need to know to become more effective in my prayer life, in my walk with you, in the calling you've placed in my life. I long to serve the Father and do His will and know His truth that I may be more effective in living that truth in this life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Holy Ghost is in the earth and He has a mission and He has a ministry. We've already been told by Jesus that He is going to guide us into all truth. He's going to speak to us what He hears of the Father. He's going to show us things to come. He is going to quicken us or change us. You see, along with the revelation of truth, we need the changing power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And you really can't have that dynamic power of God activated in your life apart from a successful prayer life. We need to study the Word to know truth, but we also have to pray so that the Spirit of God is active in our lives. As a matter of fact, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that when we pray in the Spirit, the Spirit prays with us in our spirit. Or by the Spirit we pray. Our Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, prays. There is action and there is activity between the Spirit of God and our spirit when we pray in the Spirit. And so when we pray, the Spirit of God begins to move and quicken us and change us and also affect the objects of our prayer. Whatever it is that we are praying for, we want to unleash two things in that direction. Truth and the Spirit of God. Can you see that? Truth and the Spirit of God. Why? Because they work together to accomplish the purposes of God in the earth. We've got to have truth and we've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost for the effectual, fervent, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. There's going to be an end result. So we could say that effectual prayer or praying effectively or prayer that prevails is prayer that affects its object or prayer that obtains the blessing that we're looking for. Whatever it is that God has provided for us. Prayer that is prevailing or effective is prayer that makes a highway for God to move by His Spirit in a situation. And beloved, we have got to believe that. We have got to believe that. For example, we prayed for an individual here, a couple of individuals. We've got to believe that once we prayed, laborers were loosed. And God began to move by His Spirit upon the heart and the mind of the individual that we prayed for. Frank, can you see that? Yes. 
Do you believe that? We've got to believe that we have set in motion something that is going to be effective. And the will of God will be accomplished and carried out. And as we continue to thank God for what He's doing, those two dynamic forces work together to achieve a purpose in the will of God. And I shared this with you before a long time ago. I don't know how recent it's been, but I remember one time at a Bible study that I was holding person came in with the same kind of a prayer request and said that so-and-so has tried to commit suicide, is in a mental institution, and we're desperate. Would you pray? And they gave us the name. They submitted the name, and we took that name and began to pray, and prayed like we know to pray. Send labors across this person's path. Give them the unadulterated word of God. We bind the spirits of darkness that blinds the mind and holds this person in bondage so that the light could shine upon their heart and mind. Prayed that prayer. And the next week went by. We came to Bible study once again that Saturday evening. And the people that submitted the prayer request came and said, we've got a testimony to share with you. And it's exciting. Well, we said, go ahead, share the testimony. He said, you remember the person that we had prayed for? Yes. Who was in the mental institution who tried to commit suicide? Yes. Some individual was walking along the street near the institution when all of a sudden... The Spirit of God moved upon said to go into the hospital and to such and such a room. He went into the hospital, walked right into the room, saw the individual, and said, The Lord sent me here to pray for you. Minister the word of life to this person. The person got saved, delivered, and set free and sent home from the institution. Isn't that amazing? Prevailing prayer is prayer that affects its object. It got the end result. It produced what it was after. And that's exactly what took place. We have got to believe that that is what God does. If I pray that the Spirit of God... We did this. Our prayer team would get together and we would do this. We would pray that the Spirit's anointing would come upon individuals as we begin to minister unto the Lord. And, you know, it's amazing how God does things, but... Right after we had prayed that prayer and we began to minister to the Lord during this particular service, this doesn't happen all the time that people will come forward and tell you, but an individual came and said, the moment you began to worship God with the praise team, the anointing of God just began to fall upon me and hit me on top of my head. And we prayed exactly that way. Fell and hit me on top of my head and just went through my entire body. See, beloved, we've got to believe that what we're praying for and praying about, two things are happening. Truth is finding its way into that person's life and the Spirit's anointing or the Spirit of God's power is being unleashed over that particular person, over the particular need, or if it's in your own life, for yourself. I really believe that this is the main reason why our negative confessions short-circuit the power of God. Father, help me. And then all of a sudden, there's just nobody to help me. We are short. It's like disconnecting the wires and the tremendous power that's available, dynamic and it's working, cannot reach its object. It can't jump over because we have taken the wires apart. Now, you heard me preach that one message when the, waters, the storm waters of life pass over the seashore like they're not supposed to because God made a decree. But it seems like that they have violated the decree of God and they pass over 
And what does the sand do? It doesn't panic, does it? Does it? Stays put, doesn't it? And if, you, if, if sand could think, it would be saying what? You've got to go back. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. You think about this. Here's how we are. If we were the sand of the seashore, you know what we would say? What did I do wrong now? What mistake did I make now? Where am I missing it now? I didn't read enough. I didn't study enough. Why is this happening now? And we'd go on and 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 on. And all that talk does what? Just lets the storm water stay there longer. And just lets the winds keep on blowing even harder. We change with the storm because of our emotions that vacillate so easily. The man who is driven with the wind and tossed, the Bible says, the double-minded man receives what from the Lord? Nothing. But those that are secure, whose minds are anchored, their soul is anchored upon the Word of God, says, you've got to go back. You've got to go back. And if the Holy Ghost triggers off something in you and says, you better repent first, then tell it to go back. Then you say, I repent. You've got to go back. You've got to go back. Do you see that? Effective prayer. Prayer that affects its object. Prayer that makes the highway for God to move. And these are some of the characteristics of effective prayer. You might want to write them down. Number one, it's got to line up with the Word of God and the will of God. It must line up with the will and the Word of God, which are the same. This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we have asked anything according unto His will, He heareth us. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Effective prevailing prayer involves praying in line with the will of God. It's the will of God, someone be saved. We're praying in line with that. And Jesus said, send out laborers and pray that they would be. And so we are. And so that's praying in line with the will of God, isn't it? So if you know it's the will of God, you can pray effectively. If you don't know the will of God, then obviously the first thing to do is to do what? Pray to find the will of God. Or search the Scriptures to find the will of God. If they're not in the Scriptures, then ask the Spirit to reveal to you the will of God in the matter. And then pray in line with the will of God. So it must line up with the will of God. Secondly, to pray effectively, prevailing prayer involves be definite, in what you're praying for. Be definite in what you are praying for. This involves knowing and being decisive about what it is that you want God to do. Be definite. Someone uh, said it like this, and you can find that in James chapter 1 and verse 5. If, you're, if, if you'll ask wisdom, ask of God. And be definite for what you want if you want wisdom. Someone said it's like this. If you walked into a grocery store and you took your, your basket and you're walking through the grocery store or you're pushing a shopping cart and you've been in there for an hour and finally one of the clerks looks at you and says, can I help you find something? And you just say, oh no, I'm just shopping for food. And there's nothing in your basket and there's nothing in your shopping cart and you've been in there for an hour Something's wrong here. It's like praying, but you're not definite about what you're praying for. Can you see that? But if you want beans, the clerk will tell you, go over to the island of, or go to, what not, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, 
five. Beans are in five. Now you're definite. Right? Or if you walked into a restaurant and you sat down and the waiter came to you and said, what would you like to eat? You've got that big old menu in front of you. And you said food. They'd look at you like what? Okay, here's a pretty good menu here. What do you want to eat? Food. I know, something good. Okay, have you ever done that? What do you recommend? Well, what do you want? Something good. Well, what I think is good might be different than what you think is good. What do you want? I guarantee you, till you get definite, that server will not bring you back your food. Am I right? Or they'll bring you the whole menu. And then better look out because you've got to pay for it. Be definite in what you're praying for. If you want beans, ask for beans. If you want revival, ask for it. If you want change in your life, ask for it. Whatever it is that you want God to do, be definite and ask specifically for that thing. Thirdly, there must be strong desire. Mark 11:24 says... Whatever you desire. Everybody say desire. Desire. Say it again. Desire. Desire. See, sometimes we don't take the time to study the Bible. And so all we do is look at these terms loosely or take them lightly. Well, what does desire have to do with answered prayer or prevailing prayer? Everything in the world. I'll say it like this. You've got to want it bad. You've got to want it bad. If it's not enough for you to get on your face and thank God for it every single day, you don't want it bad enough. What you desire for when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. And if you can't or if I can't, get on my face every day and say, Father God, I've asked you for beans. I desire beans so much, so badly I'm going to thank you right now. I believe I received those beans. I thank you for those beans. I bless you for those beans. I glorify you for those beans. And just keep on doing it every single day until those beans materialize. You don't want them bad enough. Well, I asked them for beans and I didn't get any beans in an hour. And so forget about the beans. Let's ask for green beans instead of pork and beans. Or corn. No, it's not that way. See, once again, we are too... In our society, microwave-minded. And we want it like now. And if it doesn't happen immediately, it means that it's not working. But it is working. We've got to be more like Daniel was. I prayed. God heard. God's moving. I may not see it. I'm not stopping. I desire to know the unfolding of the events to come. And so he stayed on his knees before God. You know what they said about James when they found, you know, after he had died? They found out that his knees were callous from all the praying that he did. It doesn't mean long hours of prayer gets results. Because I believe if we learn how to pray the prayer of faith like we really should and have a strong desire to have results, you can get those kind of results maybe more quickly for yourself, but praying for other things and other people and other needs, that'll get you callous on your knees. But there has to be a strong desire. Come on, how bad do you want it? Do you want it badly enough? Be honest with yourself. How many of you have done that? And you even told yourself, I didn't want it bad enough. All right, I'm going to meddle. I'm going to meddle. Come on, can I meddle? I'm going to meddle. I better have your permission because I'm going to meddle. 
You ever want to lose weight? Raise your hand if you ever wanted to lose weight in your life. Bad enough? Bad enough? Because if you just want to lose weight, you won't do it. But if you want to do it bad enough, if you really have desire, if you really, 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 then you'll put your mind to it. Then you'll put your heart to it. Then you'll apply yourself to it. But if you don't want it bad enough, if you don't want to know God bad enough, you won't. If you don't want to walk with the Spirit of God bad enough, you won't. If you don't want signs and wonders and miracles in your life, you won't have them if you don't want them bad enough. If you want to be effective in your prayer life bad enough, you won't be. You've got to want it bad enough. You have got to have a strong, earnest desire for the things of God. And I'm telling you, it's got to be relentless. You're not giving up. You've got to want it bad enough. Next one. Number four, I guess. Is that right? You've got to have a right motive. James 4, first four verses. You ask not, you have not because you ask not. You ask and you receive not because you ask. Everybody say amiss. Amiss means without the right intentions or proper motives. I want to know what that says so that I can just show this person what I know. That's not a right motive. That's not a right intention. I want her to get healed to show this person down the street. That's not the right motive. That's not the right intention. We've got to have right motives of heart with God. Beloved, our God is holy and pure. And see, we've got to line up with His character, not with ours. And so that's why He told them, look, you've asked, but you haven't received the things you've asked for because you've asked amiss. You've got to have the right heart motive when asking things from God. There's got to be perseverance. Number five, perseverance, Ephesians 6, 18. Praying with all manner of prayer in the Spirit, with all perseverance for all saints. It involves perseverance. We cannot once again have a give up too quick attitude. We have got to persevere in some things, in some areas of prayer. There must be perseverance. There must be consistency in our prayer lives in order to get the results that we want and for it to be effective. In other words, you have got to keep truth flowing in that direction. You've got to keep the Spirit's power manifesting in that direction if you want to have the end result. And let's face it, in some areas of our lives, it requires perseverance in prayer to maintain a successful walk with God. Because you'll find yourself that if you slip in that area of prayer, remember what Jesus said, pray that you enter not into temptation. Peter fell asleep and by midnight he denied the Lord three times. He fell into temptation because he didn't want. We should view every day as a, as a day that we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling every single day. That requires the study of God's Word and prayer. Inviting the Spirit of God to move upon our hearts and lives. Somebody say Amen. Well, I prayed yesterday for that. Well, that's, that, that's a different thing. Yesterday is gone. You better thank Him for the same thing today. For His keeping power in your life to protect you in your time of, of temptation so that you can overcome. Okay? Let's move on. It must be continued. That verse over there in James 5:16 from the Amplified says, The continued heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. It has to be continued. 
It's, it's likened unto perseverance. It's continued. And I realize there are different rules applying to different types of praying or prayers, but in some cases it's got to be continued. If you're praying, for example, for someone who, let's say a child who is, is wayward, it's got to be continued. That's not a time you pray a prayer of faith yesterday and forget about it for six months. It has to be continued. Why? Because the powers of darkness are continuing to manifest themselves, but you have got to continue in applying the principles of God's Word to unleash truth and the Spirit's anointing and power in that person's life. So daily, continue in your praying. Also, for prayer to prevail and be effective, there has got to be a pure heart. In Psalm 66, 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. There has got to be a pure heart. I have got to have and maintain a pure heart if I expect God to hear me and my prayers to prevail and be effective. The next one is, obviously it takes faith. Matthew 21, 22 makes it very clear. What things whoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. I've got to believe. I have got to believe that what I'm doing gets results. What is the sure sign that you're not believing in the power of prayer and faith working together to accomplish the purposes of God? If you're not doing it, then apparently we don't believe in it too much. Isn't that where the proof of the pudding is? Right there. Oh, I believe in prayer. How can you say that? Well, if you're not doing it, then apparently you're not applying what believing really means to that statement. Believing means like this. I believe in eating. Anybody here believe in eating? What do you do every day? You believe in it. Well, I believe in effective prayer. Well, do you do it every day? Well, maybe once a week. You don't really believe in it very much, do you? See, spiritual things are different. If you really believe in its power and effectiveness, you'll do it every day. And then, Matthew, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 26, without question, for prayer to be effective, we should be filled with the Holy Ghost and invite the Spirit of God in our prayer lives. For there are times we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself will make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered in articulate speech. For he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And if you read that more literally, it, talks, it says it like this. In this language, the Holy Ghost is a helper to stand by our side to take hold together with us against our inabilities to produce results. Did you get all that? He takes hold together with us against our inabilities to produce results. And so when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we're in another dimension of prayer where, for example, let's say I need changed. And I don't know anything else to do but what I've already done. Well... I may be at my wit's end for this change in my life. And so now I believe in the personal ministry of the Holy Ghost to my life. And so I begin to pray out in the Holy Ghost, believing that as I am praying, He is taking hold together with me against my inability to produce results in my own life. And He is effectively at work in me. And He is moving upon me. And change is coming to my life. See that? Romans 8, 26. So that's what he's doing. 
And I believe in it. And that's why I'm giving place to it. And that's why I want us to do it right now. I'm done. Come on up here around this altar. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.